You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Otis Brown, is an amazing jazz drummer who plays with Joe Lovano, Somi, Gretchen Parlato, and many more. Today, we are going to talk about Otis's journey to jazz music, his never-ending quest for creative inspiration, his advice for the next generation, and what is on the horizon for him and for his music. So come along with me as I catch up with Otis Brown. Otis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I've been watching and a fan for a while, so thank you. Oh, I love that. I appreciate that very, very much. Yeah, I, I've been seeing like, when is Sarah going to have me? No, I'm just kidding, but I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> right? Today is the day. It's right. finally come. We finally and made it happen. Yeah, we get to catch up with each other, which is so nice. And I for haven't sure. seen you in person in a very long time, which is tough because usually we see each other a few times a year at least at so. least two or three normally yeah right yeah right so it's been it's been a, a unusually long time for us it's been forever yeah. it's, it feels like forever totally. um, one of my favorite times that we saw each other last was um we had the most incredible avocado milkshakes <laughs> I, I dream I, about I, I dream I, about I, I don't, that. I don't I don't like yeah, I think you I think avocado milkshakes. Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's one of my favorite. I haven't been to that restaurant and maybe I've been a couple times since we went, but yeah, that was that was a, a special night. I love that, that was, place. Oh my gosh, so yeah. good. Yeah, I recommend I that to place to everybody. Avocado milkshakes after that. I don't work. even did it work. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how it works. But what, what is the name of the place? Do you remember? Um, it's called Copelia, C O P P E L I A. It's on 14th and 7th, and it's Cuban food and it's open 24 hours, and it's amazing. Yeah, so good. It was so good. So good. Well, I want to hear about everything I saw you last. How has this time been for you the past couple of years? Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, like everything else, pandemic or everyone else, you know, the pandemic's been tough, like work wise, you know, there was it started off with like a whole summer and fall of stuff getting canceled. And, um, you know, last year it looked like which was the second year. Yeah, it looked like some of that stuff was coming back. And then that stuff, you know, some of it did. And then, you know, now stuff is being postponed again, but postponed, I don't know, you know, when, when it happens again, but um, it's been tough. Everybody, you know, I've had to shift and try and find different things to do. And um, I went, yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough just like being in a pandemic and the, the lives that are lost and the people that get sick and all of that. But then in the career, like what we do, um, you know, when venues are closed and promoters are, mm -hmm leery to you know bring people on tour because they have to worry about quarantining if somebody gets sick or who who pays for this you right. know you know if you have to go to another city the band leaders are like well who pays for it and how do i continue the tour do i get another drummer or you know so there's this there's, there's a lot of challenges you know i'm hoping 
we're, I don't know if we'll ever be fully on the other side of it. You know, we're, I think we're learning some ways to operate within it. Um, right. And I guess, you know, hopefully that trend continues, you know, the way that it's going. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 F- figuring out a way to just live in this new world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem like that's the, that's, that's the future. Right. Um, but yes, I know. And just getting back out there, getting back on the road. I can't wait for everyone to be back out there playing live music. I see bits and pieces of things happening and it's, it's encouraging. Right. Um, right. But I know that, you know, our industry is, it's just been hit so hard and in so many ways. And, and again, like you mentioned, we've lost a lot of friends and right. it's a hard thing. Um, and I really feel like um, it has shown how resilient everybody is, you Very know, true. That incredible and, and, and how everyone's found different ways to make music and still, you know, be out there and be present. Um, and find other things as well to focus on. And I know that you right. have taken a big focus on health as yeah. well, which yeah. is amazing. Right. I mean, I kind of started before the pandemic, but it I think it would have been really easy to just fall into like, oh, I can't, you know, gym's closed. So yes. um, there was just like nowhere to go. I'm not a runner or, what, you know, I ride my stationary bike or whatever, but um and I'm fortunate a lot of it was sparked by, you know, my two sons that play baseball, they're athletes. So, we, you know, I spent all this money on trainers and stuff and we had nowhere to work out. So we ended up converting our two car garage into like a full on gym and dug a trench and ran power from the house and put a new panel. Like it turned into a whole, you know, family project. But um, it's been a lifesaver, like financially, because mm-hmm. I'm saving my hundred dollar a month you know, whatever fee it was for the family plan at the gym. And um, yeah, it's been a lifesaver in so many ways. Like it's, it's just been amazing. So um, that's great. Yeah. And it just kind of helped give us of some, us something to focus on or something mm-hmm. to do. You know, I kind of, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, like I just, I practiced a lot and then it was like, I need projects to do. So I built some things. I did this, you know, did a lot of stuff. I'm pretty handy. I did like a big car repair, uh, like changed out a whole suspension. Like I just had to do stuff, you know? So um, that was very helpful mentally, physically, you know, health wise. So that's um, great. And and every time I talk to you, you're doing another project. I feel like (laughs) you're like, oh, I'm building a deck and I'm doing, I'm building a gym in my garage, Um, (laughs) which is great. And then also how cool that you have an activity that you can do with your kids. Because I know, like, as kids grow up, you it's it's harder and harder to find things to do together, like, yeah. that they're interested in and, you know, that's good for you as well. So that that's so great. Yeah, that's, so that's been great. awesome. I do miss because, you know, when we had to go to, like, the box gym, we had to go together. So mm-hmm. we went and, then you know, they would have to wait. I would always take the longest to finish my workouts and yes. they would wait around or whatever. <laughs> so I miss going together because now everybody just goes on their own. They just can go outside just 10 steps to the garage, you know. Right. Um, I miss kind of working out together and like being in the gym with them sometimes. But it's nice that it's at home, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. And, you know, ta- talking about home, let's kind of go back in time a little bit and talk about your home growing up. And you mm. grew up with 
two parents who were teachers who are right. they're still teaching, aren't they? They retired. They, they uh, retired. Okay. Yeah. So they were both music teachers. Actually, both my parents had degrees in music education, and um, you know, they were always doing something in music. My mom was like a her piano is her major instrument, and she was a choral instructor and my dad is instrumental music and you know mm -hmm. he played drums that's how i started playing drums um you know and they became principals later on the lion's share of their careers were like in administration vice principal principal department chairs but they taught for a long time and um yeah it was you know um there was always music around in my house you know always something i was always going to a rehearsal if my mom had quiet rehearsals at the church okay I had to go with her because my dad was in New York and then I would go with my dad if my mom had something to do. So I was always at a band practice or a rehearsal or, uh, you know, a church choir rehearsal, whatever it was, mm -hmm. it was always around, you know, or my mom, you know, my dad would be practicing at home and my mom would come home and she would have to learn this music to accompany somebody. So she'd be playing piano. And, you know, it was like just thinking about it now, it was like such a fertile environment for, you know, just creativity in general, but definitely like becoming a musician, you know, yeah. it, it was kind of, it was easy to do that, you know. You had the support and yeah. and the role models, which, exactly. which is pretty incredible. And your dad played with some big artists, right? He did, yeah. He, he came up from South Carolina. He went to college where they met and, um, you know, played with James Brown, like on a little tour and Bobby Blue Bland and Al Green. He played with a bunch of like soul and funk artists that, um, you know, I think I came along a little earlier than they anticipated. So he kind of geared more towards the education route. And he loved teaching. He's an amazing <laughs> band director and teacher. But, I, you know, I think he needed a little more stability. And, um, you know, he kind of went that route, but he still plays. Yeah, he, you know, he's, yeah, he's the first drum teacher I had for real. That's incredible. Yeah. And and was that the the style of music that you were listening to growing up? You, yeah. Yeah, James it wasn't, Brown. I didn't really get into jazz until like college. You know what I mean? Like maybe a little in high school. Like I remember Winton Marsalis came, um, you know, it's a really famous performing arts high school. It's actually the first performing arts high school in the country in Newark, New Jersey. It's arts high where like Wayne Shorter and Sarah Vaughn and, you know, all these people, Savion Glover later on, Michael B. Jordan recently mm -hmm. went there. Um, and my dad taught there early on. Crazy. My dad taught there. That was one of his first teaching jobs. He was the head of ensembles. And then my mom's last principalship was at that high school. So wow. Michael B. Jordan's mom was head of the PTA and he would be there all the time. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so I would, uh, you know, I remember Winston came and they had like every, he came to the performing arts school, but they had all the band programs from different schools come for this assembly to hear him play. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, I didn't even understand like how he was playing what he was playing like i didn't understand how you got to that like what is that how like these like i didn't even know what a 16th note was at that time you know i was just like wow yeah. like, what are these fast notes that he's playing like <laughs> you know um so i kind of got into jazz a little bit then you know and i had a uh i played saxophone too so that's a big part of the story mm -hmm. and um i had a teacher um named Bill Phipps, who was good friends with Wayne Shorter growing up, a famous music family in Newark, New Jersey, and New Jersey. And um, he taught me saxophone and would play me Charlie Parker recordings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was still listening. I was a hip-hop head, too, in the 80s and 90s. 
so I was learning that kind of stuff because it was closely related to the stuff I heard my father play. Sure. You know? So I would learn these beats from cassettes, uh, you know, uh, KRS-One or EPM. You know, I would play along with these hip hop songs. Um, and then when I got to college, I kind of really started getting into jazz. And uh, I think that was primarily my dad played jazz a, a bit, too. But it was primarily because of how the vocabulary on the drum set, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of uh, almost all of it comes from jazz. You know what I mean? So yeah. just the, the jet drum set in general was created for jazz. So I um, I wanted to learn how to do these things and how to play these things that I heard or that I wanted to get out. And that kind of led me to studying, um, you know, a backwards kind of way of studying uh, jazz and drummers like that. Because I went from like the funk and R&B and hip hop stuff, gospel stuff. Then I kind of went fusion route. So I was mm -hmm. real big Weckle and, and Vinny mm -hmm. and Dennis Chambers, uh, Billy Cobham kind of head. Yeah. And then I started realizing like, oh, what they're playing is kind of just cleaned up, better recorded versions of, especially Weckle's case, of what Elvin played. There's a lot right. of triplets. You know, it's like exactly the same vocabulary in a lot of ways or you know, this is a phrase I heard Tony play, like Dennis plays this thing all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's directly connected to Tony Williams, you know? So yes. kind of, I came the backwards way into jazz. But once I got there, it was like, I was like, okay, this is something I really want to focus on. Yeah, that's, that, that is so interesting. I just had this conversation with Antonio Sanchez, who mm grew up listening to um like rock and roll right and then and then got into fusion and that was like his gateway into jazz like traditional jazz yeah and so it does it feels like that's kind of like a natural progression um and i had a similar experience growing up as well right. i was like rock and roll into um dave weckle understanding <laughs> like how incredible that was and then breaking it down and in high school, getting into jazz and like the standards and mm -hmm. um, all the artists that we just love so much. But right, I, I saw a thing recently. The drummer online posted, and I kind of corrected him. He was like, "Man, like, you know," uh, he said something. He showed, he played something Elvin played and compared it with John Bonham. He was like, "Man, Elvin sounds like uh, like John Bonham <laughs> playing jazz," and I was like, "No." <laughs> I was like, John Bonham sounds like Elvin playing rock. Like rock John roll, Bonham was a yeah. huge Elvin Jones fan. You know what yeah. I mean? And like loved yeah. him. So that like the connection is is there, you know, Absolutely. in all in all of it, in all the music. It's so true. It's yeah. so interesting how it all kind of it all comes back. And you will like, you know, rock and roll drummers often will talk about how they pulled things from funk or jazz yeah. and you know, and then and it and it just kind of like all comes together. It all stems from that. And then so right. like coming, like you said, coming to it around the back way um, and getting that incredible appreciation. I think of you like when I think of you, I think of jazz drumming. Mm. Um, and I said the same thing to Antonio. And so it's just it's amazing to me. Um, but you come to it with this like really vast breadth of of sound knowledge which mm. i think is really valuable and oh thank you yeah, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. i mean i've you know i've talked to antonio about this too like we've had conversations and i know like he you know same kind of thing it was like okay 
Um, I've had funny conversations with him about like him trying to transfer rock stuff into <laughs> to jazz, yeah. which didn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like being in these small groups and like having double pedals and like, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> but just like the how you come around to it. And it's, it's funny. There's a lot of people that know me that don't know like that I was such a, wec- a Weckle head or a fusion mm-hmm. head, you know what I mean? Like, and then yeah. I'm like, no, like I still have like the cassette play alongs with the charts and those little, yeah. the little <laughs> folder that look like this, you know, like the I play know. along. <laughs> yeah. So I still I have that stuff in my house. So was, yeah, I was, I was really in there. And then I kind of, oh once I That's realized great. like, oh, this is just like, wow. And then no, no offense to that style of music, but once I got into like Elvin, Elvin's a big hero for me, Elvin mm-hmm. Jones. Um, yeah. Once I got into him and how, you know, like say the music with John Coltrane or, you know, even his own stuff, but he's on so many records, but like how that music made me feel, mm-hmm. I never got that feeling from the more clean and digitally recorded kind of fusion stuff. Like there's something earthy about, you know, listen to a lot of those records and mm-hmm. like it just gets in a certain way. It makes you feel a certain way, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And and one quick question for you. Did you go from like one, one of the things that I talked about uh, with Antonio was mm-hmm. the kit setup? So did you have did you also have the giant kit at some point? My kit was not as giant as Antonio's. I've seen pictures <laughs> of, the, of his kit, yeah. you know, but I had a big kit like I had. Uh, yeah, man, it was great. Like thinking about it now, like I always had three rack toms. Mm-hmm. which I, would seem so foreign to me right now. Like if I yes. tried to, you know, I had like a, man, I feel like I had, but I had a 10, 12. No, I feel like I had an eight, like a, a little eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, you know, bass drum, two snares, bunch of cymbals and splashes. Like, I, yeah, I had the whole thing. I got I pictures, but they're like physical pictures. I'm going to find them one day. Yeah, I would, yeah I would it's love pretty to crazy. <laughs> and and I, I found it, I find it interesting that like, for me personally, going from such a, a big kit to mm-hmm. a smaller kit, I played so much better, so much like more tastefully. And on a smaller kit. On a smaller kit. Yeah. 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 I find that now. Like I find, you know, because like most of the time I have two rack times, 10, 12, 14 or 10, 12, mm-hmm. 15, you know, and maybe two floor times when I practice, my drums have two floor times. But right. Once I got to New York, I spent a lot of time on like five piece kits, you know, mm-hmm. one rack, one floor, snare drum, two cymbals, you know, and there's a different kind of vocabulary you have to have to be able to do that, you know, and a different uh, kind of methodology and different mindset you have to have to play on that kit. So like you said, like I still find that now, like when I play gigs on, you know, even at church, my sit is, is just two rack times, a floor tom and some other mm-hmm. cymbals. But when I go to gigs where you know i played a gig last week and they had house drums and it was just five piece kit mm-hmm. i was just like wow like it was so much fun i was just like man i missed this in a way you know what i mean like not yeah. having that drum makes you your mind work in a different way and then that in turn makes your vocabulary different you know and then your thought yeah. process is different so it just kind of has a different effect you know absolutely yeah. I, I think there's something about having less drums where you like your brain has to work harder, maybe. Right. Like, <laughs> right. You know, it's in, instead of having like the drums there as options, like working for you sound wise, your brain has to figure out how you're going to get those sounds out of 
fewer instruments. Which... I think that's a huge part of what we should, should do practicing too. You know, like I remember hearing from Bill Stewart early on, like when I was in school, like if you really want to work on your ride cymbal pattern for jazz, play your ride, get a ride cymbal, put it on the sand, work on it by itself. Because if you mm -hmm. don't, other stuff's there. You're going to do other stuff. You're going to play the hi-hat occasion. You're going to play a snare. But if you just solely focus on that, it's like drumming. You know, we spend, we should spend a lot of time learning snare drum stuff, snare drum stuff. Right, you right. Know? But if you learn snare drum stuff at a drum kit, it's hard to just focus on that because you want to, you know, figure yeah, other you stuff hit out. The other things. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of have to isolate in some ways, you know, playing drums and then bring it back together. Um, but yeah, yeah, like playing those kits, you know, and coming up in New York, you we do a lot of gigs in little bars and clubs, like you know, where it's just you might have a cymbal, a snare drum, bass drum, and hi hat, mm -hmm. and you got to make the gig work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, how do you come up with different sounds? How do you? trade fours with somebody you just have a a snare and a ride symbol you know so right. i think uh you know one thing about new york jazz drummers if you come up on that scene like you're forced to kind of be creative and inventive right. you, in a way you, you always have to make do with what you have because you never know if you show up and you're playing the house kit like what condition it's going oh to gosh. be in right. and what, right. what it's going to sound like Completely. so you have to be creative with that yeah yeah for sure yeah um that's too funny. And and ride symbol advice from Bill Stewart. Always take the advice. Oh, oh my gosh. Do whatever. <laughs> whatever he says, do it. <laughs> just do that. Just do that. If he says just, play just a ride symbol for man, seven years, just do that. Just do it. Yeah. Like he he, you know, his 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 word is golden to me. <laughs> whatever yes. he says. Absolutely. Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about the incredible playing opportunities that you've had and mm. um i you know every time i see you play whether it's with joe lovano i i've seen you play with esperanza spalding mm -hmm. um gretchen parlato right, right. Uh, oh my gosh that gig was just incredible <laughs> um, i just i i was so inspired by her because she was so creative with her voice and She's the percussion incredible. that she plays yeah right singing. oh my right. gosh love love her love her so much um but always you know all of these these different opportunities that i've seen you play in you're you're such a musical drummer that i love what you add to the music you're not just sitting back there like just like keeping the beat you are adding musically to what the um the the band is playing or the artist is playing and i just mm. absolutely love that about oh, i feel your like i'm drumming. blushing thank you oh. <laughs> that means a lot coming from you i appreciate that absolutely otis it's so tasteful you're playing mm, thank I just you love it. thank you i feel like uh you know i i don't know if thank you for saying that i feel like uh you know my saxophone playing kind of helped me in my drumming you know what i mean because yes. I can I relate to the drums not solely on some drum stuff like I mm -hmm. relate kind of from a harmonic instrument too and I think that's led to me I don't know maybe I'm just a sensitive dude too like I, I think I am in a lot of ways but yes, I, it's led are. to me having a, a certain sensitivity or delicate kind of thing on the drums you know I it, it, whatever I play the drums when I need to but it's led to me having some of those opportunities you talked about, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I played with a lot of singers in my career, which I love, mm -hmm. like Kurt Elling, Gretchen Esperanza, you mentioned the girl Somi I played with, I mm -hmm. played with, um, uh, the woman Somi, sorry. Uh, and 
yeah, I think it's just, you know, a different sensibility that I've been fortunate enough to have. And it's kind of, you know, I kind of know what, how to navigate, you know, singers and what they're, you know, I love, I love the challenge of finding what people are looking for in, in, in any gig, but mm -hmm. especially vocalists, like trying to find out what they want and what they need to support them and how much right. to play here, how much not to play here, you know, um, yes. you can't just go in and play drums, you know, you kind of have to be a part of a unit and especially in most of the music I play, um, you know, you're not just playing a role and playing along to a track and, you know, you just have to play your part and go like you have to, and that, and, you know, you have to be supportive and, um, sensitive to what's going on around you. And then that changes every night too. You mm -hmm. know, this song might be one way here and a different way the next, but, um, yeah, I kind of pride myself on having that sensibility, like in playing, you know, and it's kind of led to yeah. some, um, incredible playing opportunities for me, you know? Absolutely. And, and I, I think that's a really, really great point because, you know, you brought up your sensitivity to the music and mm -hmm. to what the artist is looking for. And I feel like your personality lends itself to being a really, really great piece of mm. a puzzle for for someone who especially like like somi or gretchen and mm -hmm. or esperanza their music is so like you're you're playing in these small venues right and you're playing you're not playing like loud loud music so what you're playing has to really fit into what they are doing right. into their voice into the the musicality of the situation um it has to it has to be a piece of the puzzle. And I, I think your personality really fits with that too, because you're easy. Like you're mm. you're just right. And you're so you're easy to get along with and you're oh, thank you. accommodating. And I, I mean you're what you know, just full disclosure, Sarah's like one of my best friends. So this oh. is, <laughs> she knows I mean, what she's talking about, I guess. <laughs> I do, yes. I, I I know this about you. And I just right. I think like you said, it's led to some really great playing situations mm -hmm. because sometimes it isn't just about like how great of a drummer or musician you are. It also has to do a lot with your personality and how yeah. you gel with people, how you um, fit into that puzzle with right. them. And, and so I just think that's, you know, like you kind of made that point, but I just want to drive it home because it is so <laughs> important to have that personality when you're in these playing situations and, yeah. um, and you get along with everybody. I, I kind of do, Every, I, you know, most most yeah. people, I think I do um, yeah. <laughs> have a lot of friends. Uh, and I think that, you know, like, you know, I feel like 90 percent of what you how you get in this business and career and have a career and be successful at it, it happens away from the bandstand and away from the stage. Um, a lot of it is who you are and how you gel, like you said, with people, you know, um, and do people want to be around you? Do they want to be on a tour bus with you for 20 hours or, you right. know, or have to get through an airport with you and be stressed? And, you know, do they know you won't have an attitude or bring everybody down? Or, you know, I think, I, yes. uh, I think I probably, I try and be that kind of person in life, you know what I mean? But definitely in music, it, it takes you a long way, um, you know, being, a good human being, you know, mm -hmm. like that, a lot of that, you get to a certain point and everybody can play. Like there's no, you know, there's no difference between me or Juliana or Antonio or Harland or Hutch, you know, like all of mm -hmm. these people I can name, we, everybody can play. Everybody has their own thing. Everybody's amazing. You know what I mean? Kendrick yeah. Scott, like 
these are all my friends and and Terry Lynn and you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you get to a point where everybody can play. I'm not saying everybody, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Terry Lynn or to whatever, but you know, everybody can play at a certain point. And it's just like, okay, what is the thing that's original about you? Not only musically, but what is your, who are you? What is your personality like? You know, right, what, right. you know, what, what do people, what can people expect from you when you're not on the bandstand, you know, exactly. which is a huge part of, of this too. It is, it is huge. Yes. Yeah. And, and you mentioned traveling and, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's something to be said about like being an easy traveler. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I mean, these are oh. sometimes a lot of times on tour, these are people you're <laughs> spending more time with than your family, you know, yeah. like, at the height of, you know, when Esperanza was just from the beginning to when it was getting really big. Like I saw her, Leo and Ricardo, the quartet, like more than I was home, literally mm-hmm. for like four or five years. You know what I right. mean? Like it was just like, that was my family. But, it, you yeah. know, um, you know, you go on tour, like where I've had stretches where it's like, you know, four weeks here. I've been playing with Joe Lovano 22 years now, you wow. know, which is crazy. Um yeah to be playing with somebody like that for, but it wouldn't have happened if, you know, we didn't gel or get along the way we do. And I know it wouldn't happen because we've talked about people that yeah. <laughs> that he's worked with that he doesn't work with anymore yeah. because of things like what we're talking about, you right, know, right. like, oh, this guy was a drag on the flight or, you know, he, I, I didn't, he talked to the, to the flight attendant and the waitress, you know what I mean? Like there's a yes. lot of things that go yes. into this that aren't just, oh, I can play, you know, Absolutely. there's a lot of intangibles that, you know, people kind of need to focus on. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I hope, you know, that it's the thing, especially the younger generation that they kind of, you know, no, I worry about them because they're not. And I mean, I won't say that because in, in jazz in New York, there's a lot of musicians that are still doing, learning it and kind of creating a career the same Mm -hmm. way I did going to jam Mm -hmm. sessions, meeting people playing in different situations, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just feel like a lot of what they, a lot of how things are done now are so anti-social, you know, like it's all social media, but it's really anti-social. You're not around people, you know, like Robert Glasper is one of my best friends and there were times, you know, I hung with him. I can't tell you how many nights, like going to see this, going to hear this, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't on my computer or my phone looking at a video. He would be like, hey, let's, Kenny Kirkland and Tane are playing up the street. Let's walk up there. We don't have any money. Let's see if we could get in. We walk up there. They're standing outside. We yeah. introduce ourselves. And so, you know what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of things that happen from just being out and conversing with people. And, Absolutely. you know, it's a little, it's more like this now and on the screen than, you know, I kind know. of being outside in a lot of ways. I, I agree. I know. Yeah. I think it's it's a tough situation. We we think about like, it's been, it's been two full years of quarantine and isolation and right. yes little bits and pieces of seeing people in person yeah but <clears throat> excuse me this younger generation that we're talking about like some of them have had two solid years of like really formative time that has been isolated in isolation. and in isolation it's crazy yeah. to think about that like right. you and i were like okay we can we can do our time <laughs> like we can yeah, we, you know, and and we'll and it's even been it. difficult for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, yes. Right. I. If you spend however many years being a social person and being out there and being around people constantly, and then you are literally like, well, I'm in this <laughs> this space right. often. Right. Um, but it's a weird 
adjustment and yeah. doesn't feel great. So yeah. I think I, but I think about, I do think about like the generation coming up and um, how it, it is affecting them and how it'll affect them long, long term. Long term. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, you know, I feel like, like the arts said, is part of a way to, you know, it's somewhat of a savior for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes. like participating in the arts and yeah. going out to hear live music. And, you know, I made a concerted effort. And this was a little before the pandemic, but I've been making, like, going to as many museums as possible. Going to, like, mm -hmm. I've just, I've done this before. Like, if I'm in Paris, I go to the Louvre every time I'm there. Or yes. the Pompidou, the Modern Museum, Modern Art Museum. Or, you know, like, I, but, like, this, in this pandemic, and a little before, I was like, you know what? I'm trying to consume, it made mm -hmm. me, you know, I had a lot of time to reevaluate things and it made mm -hmm. me really like, okay, I want to live this life of an artist. And that means, you know, where do I get my inspiration from where, yeah. you know, and I've been just making, you know, a lot of, especially with a family too, I have kids. So mm -hmm. it, a lot of that it gets hard to do, you know, but it, it just in this, in the pandemic, it's made me realize like, oh, I need this. Like I need this type of inspiration. I have to make an effort to do, you know, things, something for me. And that was, you know, something that I've changed a lot. Like, I'm, you know, I, I go to see, I'm looking like, Oh, what exhibit is up or who's playing or, you know, so yes. yeah, yes. it's been, it's been great. You know, I love that. That's so good that you're you know. taking that time and, and letting your creative mind be fed. Um, because I think that is something it's hard to do, especially when you have a family yeah. and you have obligations. It's like, how do I take, make the time to feed my own creativity? But, um, so, so art wise, is there like a style of art that is your favorite or sculpture? Um, I, it kind of varies. You know what I mean? I've been getting into a lot of black artists and African-American artists that, you know, that I know you know are know of or in the same circles with and haven't met yet you know mm -hmm. but we know each other social you know the social media way know each other um and i've been delving a lot into that but i've just i've been trying to go see as much as possible i went to the guggenheim a, a couple of weeks ago on my birth uh, right after my birth maybe it was on my birthday i do that every year that's the thing now i go pick out museums or exhibits i want to see on my birthday and go spend the day um mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the you know, is it an Iranian artist? Like, it doesn't matter for me. I kind of go see whatever it is, and, mm -hmm. you know, and think it's interesting. And, you know, I might not dig all of it, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, but it's just yeah. like music, right? I, I, I love that part about art and music where you are, if you are a creator, mm -hmm. you're making what's, if and you are making something that's authentic to what is you, right? right? Like what is coming out of you. Um, it's not for everybody, and that's kind of beautiful, you know. Yeah. You are because then when you do touch somebody with your music and your art, it's so significant. Right. Um, right. you know, I, I love that. I, I yeah. absolutely love it. I think when you try to make it likable to everybody, that's when things go awry. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, kind of like, I kind of like when I see a piece of art and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I really don't get it. I don't right. understand what's happening there. But I but I recognize the fact that someone else might walk up and think like that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Completely. And I understand and it's like that and, and what we you know? and making music too. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is an art, but it's like, you know, I yeah. have a record out. I'm working on another one now. And it's yes. just like, it might not be for some people, but there are 
a section of people that it's for that or think it's the best thing they've ever heard or yes. it's their favorite album. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's like you said, you can't try and, and make that happen. You know, you kind of just have to be yourself and yes. um, let whoever the audience is for it, find it, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. and social media wise as well, that's, I feel like that's something that we can all um, think about and translate to content that you're putting out social media wise. Like there's so much out there that's so inauthentic. And right. um, I love when I come across a profile and, and you know, 99% of my friends have incredibly authentic profiles. Where, yeah. Um, just sharing life and reality and creative, you know, inspiration. And I love that. Um, yeah. That's a that's a thing for drummers too. It's like, uh, you know, it. I think we all go through a phase. I know I did, where you like an emulation phase, but almost emulation yes. to cop to the point of copying. You know, mm -hmm. there was a point where I wanted to sound just like Jeff Tane Watts, or I wanted to sound just like Eric Harland, or I wanted to sound just like you know whoever, you know. But um, like hopefully that becomes a means to an, to an end and not the end. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, it's okay to kind of be in these phases and like, oh, uh, you know, I'm figuring this out and I'm just going to take some from this person and this person and, you know, and, and, and let it be in your playing. But as long as you don't kind of become a carbon copy of that person, I've seen that happen, you know, where, mm -hmm. and to the point where like the only people that, they get called for is to sub for gigs where that original the originator can't do the gig you know right, what i mean like right, it's like no. oh you're in this gig to sound like this dude you know yeah. it's like I, I wouldn't ever want that like i want to be valued for being myself and mm -hmm. you know not trying to play somebody else's vocabulary sure um on another gig you know are in Absolutely. my plane and i we've all done it like to get you know but it's you just can't stay there you know it's like oh wow like that's he's playing a lot of lewis nash stuff you know and it's like okay yeah. like do, ten five years from now is he still playing all that lewis nash stuff or right, right. have they done something with it where you could tell it's inspired by and then it's them or is yes. it still carbon copy you know so i yeah. think that's a good and, lesson and for us on a, our instrument too Absolutely. I think it's an amazing thing when you can originate your own sound. And then at yeah. some point, someone's like, oh, yeah, they're playing a lot of Otis Brown stuff. You right. Know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, there's nobody to sound. And and those are the ones that we remember. You know what yes. I mean? That, that get yeah. in those, you know, like Bla you hear the, those one name names, you know, like Blade, yeah. who sounds like Brian Blade. There's yeah. nobody who sounds like yeah. Bill Stewart. Nobody, you know, Gad. who sounds like Gad, who sounds Gad. like Harlan. You know, it's just yeah. like. They're, you know, they're, they get their own thing. And, and of course it comes from people like, you know, Steve Gadd talks about Buddy and all these the snare drum stuff he used to do. And yes. I know for a fact, Eric Harlan, we used to listen to Tane together all the time. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, Chris Dave, who sounds like Chris Dave, like who can play like Chris Dave? Nobody, you know, right. like, no. and I know that Chris <laughs> Dave was a huge Tane and Tony Williams and you know, it was like, there's a lot in there that he yeah. kind of turned into Dennis Chambers. A lot of Dennis at Chris's plant, you know? Yeah. And then you ask Dennis and Dennis will point out like five people that he right. was influenced by. Right. It's really amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't even, I can't remember who it was that gave me this advice, but it was so good. And I just have to share it, which is if you're into an artist, 
ask that artist or find out who their influences are and then go listen to those artists. Exactly. Because it just like takes you back to the core um, and gives you a whole other perspective on, right. on their playing. So. Yeah, it's funny when, when uh, like say we do, this is, there's two things uh, that, that brings to mind. When like I've seen, you know, like we'll be on tour and, and you know, somebody I play with, I'll have to do a workshop. I've been like it's happened when I was out with Herbie Hancock. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Lovano does a lot of workshops and I go, you know, they're like, oh, no, you don't have to go. Like, I got to go do this workshop. You know, you can say and I'm like, no, I want to. Can I go like I want to go because I learned so much from them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And one yeah. of the things Joe Lovano asks in his workshops, he asks the saxophone players, you know, he's like, OK, so who's your favorite? Who's your favorite guitar player? You know, and they're like, oh, uh, you know, who's your favorite pianist? And, you know, he's like, oh, you, I, I don't know. You know, yeah. like it's like he to make the point that there's like you should kind of focus on other instrumentalists. One, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I was also such a nerdy dude. Like our my dad had all these modern. I still have them, all these modern German magazines. And I subscribed when I was, you know, in college and stuff. And mm -hmm. I would read these articles and be like, OK. I saw Dennis Chambers mention these people. Who are these yeah. people? Then yes. I would try and find interviews, like in whatever. Then I'm like, oh, Elvin Jones mentioned Max Roach. And Max Roach, yes. you know, who's Max Roach? Max Roach mentioned Kenny Clark. Who's Kenny Clark? You know, mm -hmm. so it was like, if you really want to be serious about this, you know, um, you kind of have to do a little bit of research and, and find out who those influences are and other people. And then I think that further helps you find your own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, me and Robert, Robert and Glasper and I used to talk about this. He was like, there's a lot of people that try and sound like Chick Corea, you know, mm -hmm. who just passed recently, but they take it from Chick. They don't get into who Chick liked, you exactly. know what I mean? Like they don't do yes. the steps that Chick did. They wanted at the cursory level of sounding like Chick. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people now that try and sound like Robert Glasper, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But they yeah. don't get into who you know, some of them probably wouldn't know who Kenny Kirkland was, who was one of Robert's heroes or, you know, like all these other piano players right. that he listened to. And I think it's the same for drums. I feel like all the masterful drummers that we know, and I think this is across the board in any medium and art, you know, any mm -hmm. type of artist, they have such a wealth of knowledge on what came before them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't like, I feel like Jay-Z can recite you Rakim rhymes or rhymes from the eighties. You know what I mean? Like he right. knows those verses, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, Tane can play you Billy Cobham and Tony and Max Roach. And you know, that all of those things, these foundational things that make them who they are. And I feel mm -hmm. like one of the things with this like instantly get generation and it's not just this generation, it's kind of the one right before too, is that like, oh yeah, you can pick this stuff up, but you don't understand why or how, the person got there or the sure. musician or the artist or you know whatever it is like what drummers in this case how they got to that point you're just taking what they have and what they turned it into you know right it, right it, it, it sounds thin when you hear it it sounds like there's no depth to it because like the things like the musical placement won't be yes. right like the the concept behind it it'll, it'll just be some drum stuff just to do or you know, like the sound of it isn't exactly right because you don't understand where it came from. And I think that yeah. that, that in-depth kind of study 
you know, you kind of have to spend some time on that. And, and Good. yeah, do know. the research, right? Yeah. And, now, yep. and now it's, it's easy because everything's online. So that's the thing. It's <laughs> right? too easy. Like it's kind of, right? that's become a crutch because it's yeah. so easy and there's yeah. so much inf information. It's like, oh yeah, I know that solo. And it's like, okay, but do you know that he quotes this yeah. other solo from Papa yeah, Joe yeah. Jones, like three times in that solo? Yeah. You yes. not even know who Papa Joe Jones is, you know, right. like that's the that's the kind of the the blessing and the curse of having everything out there and not having to do research to get it. You know what right, I mean? Like right. when there's no effort into trying to get it. That's when it's like, oh, OK, it's, it's, it's kind of a curse in that way. Right. And I, yeah. I think, you know, dr drummers are so. Uh, the, the community is so sharing, mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. You know, if you talk like someone came up to you, Otis, and talked to you and said, hey, who would you recommend I, I listen to? Right. You'll give them a list. Right. Right. Um, right. And, and it's like that across the board. I just there's so many instances of being in a in the presence of, you know, a legend and uh, Dennis Chambers, for example. You know, if you sit down with Dennis for long enough, you're going to be watching YouTube videos together. Like, right, that, right, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, did you see that? And, you know, yep. um, he texts me YouTube videos all the time, like, hey, check this guy out, check that right, guy out. And right. it's, and it's amazing. It's, and it, and it goes both ways. It's not just the, it's not just the history um, part of it, but it's the future. Like people right. like Dennis, people like you, at, you know, you're looking at the next generation. You always know like who's up and coming. And I have to say, I have to give you a lot of credit because I don't know the number of times that I called you Otis or texted you during my 16 years at Zildjian uh -huh. Symbols in Artist Relations and asked you, hey, do you know so-and-so? What do you think about Right, right. <laughs> and it was, you were so helpful to me, like in, you because you know everybody. You know mm. everybody. And I, I can think of like a few really, really key artists who you were like early, early on. Mark Kohlenberg, for example. Right, he was one. Right. You were just like, yeah, Mark's the guy. Like definitely he's, he'd be a great artist. But right. um some Your of them like is... even drove up there with me. You know, I would bring yes, them up to yeah. meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. And Kendrick and yep. it was just, Jemire, you know, like a bunch of, yeah, a bunch yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. I think um, that's so... important too, though. I was going to say that about Dennis. Like you, you know, you play in his area and he's around. He hears about you or you got, he's, got, he's going to show up at the he's show. You know what up. I mean? Like yeah. these people are still hungry. They're yeah. still listening. I went to see Marcus Gilmore. Um, at the Vanguard recently, Bill Stewart's there hanging out. We, me, him, and, Mar and Marcus talked for like an hour and a half after the show. Like, you know, that's the thing that these you the study never stops. It shouldn't yeah. anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not like you got to keep going back. Yeah, you need to study that. But there's a lot happening that if you kind of want to work and keep working, you kind of you know because drumming uh, music always changes. So always, you know, yes. like you kind of. I remember like what you know, Missy and Timberland production style. You had you kind of had to learn some of that stuff. You know, yeah. when drum and bass got huge. You kind of had to be able to play some of that stuff if you want to work in some of these different areas. You know that everybody's mm -hmm. listening to. You know, um, yeah. So you you got to stay hungry. You know, and but I, I and I feel like hungry doesn't just mean drumming too because. I don't know how you do it now, but there's like a, a ton of interviews with people that are written down and, you know, like I, I kind of like I'm nerdy. So I try and find out <laughs> as much as possible, like see, you know, like I yeah. said before, like just not even who they mention or who they listen to. But what are they thinking? What's their concept? Yes. 
How do yeah. they approach a recording session? How do they, you know, what do they do to warm up for this or that? And, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. there's a, a, a lot of ways and a lot of things mm-hmm. to study and, and doing what we do, you know? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And just, just understanding um, what created someone's um, masterful musical like mind. I don't right. know. That right. was some alliteration there for you, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. You know, just understanding that process. I this is why I love this platform to be mm. able to talk to you all because just like getting a little bit of insight into like how you became you as a musician, I mm-hmm. think is really interesting. Like I find it really interesting Same to here. understand, right? Yeah. To just kind I- of Go yeah, back. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. During the pandemic, I'm sure, you know, you know, I did these drum talks on two, you know, drum talk Tuesdays, like, and I yeah. ended up, it was great. Like I ended up, but I was, and everybody I did one with maybe except for, uh, Taylor Gordon, you know, pocket queen, yeah. whatever she's, yeah. I mean, we're friends, but not like good for everybody else. Aaron Spears, Juliana, Nate Smith, Corey Farmville. Um, I know I'm forgetting some people that I did, but it was like everybody was a friend of mine mm-hmm. that I've known for years, you know, and yes. I've, I've known Taylor the shortest amount of time. Yeah. Um, and maybe did I do Sarah? No, I was trying to. Get, did I do Sarah? No, I can't remember. But um, <laughs> like for me, it was just as informative for me. Like I was mm-hmm. so inspired. Ta- Terry Lynn. I did Terry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just talking to them and hearing about their process and what, how they came up and, you know, hearing Juliana talk about his first teacher, and, you know, and then I met the teacher at, at, at a um, St. Vincent show at Radio City not too long ago. Yes, uh, Joe yeah. Bergamini, <laughs> Joe right? Bergamini, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I got to meet so him great. and his son. At, uh, I went to, we will all see him, Mark, play with St. Vincent. But mm-hmm. just, just hearing that, like what they study, what they checked out, um, you know, talking to Aaron about like who he heard, you know, that made him want to play drums. It's just like, yeah. wow, like that stuff is mind blowing to me. And I love knowing it, you know, it make, it gives Absolutely. me a, a, a better glimpse into like, not only the person, but how they've become the artist they are or the musician. They exactly. Are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's so inspiring and, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, um, I just appreciate this. I, I keep saying it's been, it's, it, this has been so amazing for me personally. I love the messages that I get of people who are really enjoying listening because, mm. um, you know, we, we love knowing things about each other, you know, right. and right. like finding things out about each other. And I just, I think it's, it's so nice to have like a little bit of insight into the person behind the creativity. Yeah. Um, but I don't want, I know we're running late. I don't want oh, to, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> leave without talking about what you're working on and okay. what, what you have coming up. So give us some, um, some info about that. Yeah. I, uh, right before the pandemic, maybe a year before I, I started working on another record, you know, a follow-up to my first one that came out mm-hmm. in 14 or 15, whatever it was. Um, and we're, it, it kind of got stopped. We have some more recording to do. So I'm trying to get that done and out this year. Um, 
or maybe out early next year at this point. But yeah, I'm trying to get it finished. And that, uh, the, it's funny because it's take, this process is taking so long. I already have concepts and music for another album. So mm-hmm. it won't be as long between the next two, hopefully. Um, and then, yeah, I'm still playing with Somi. Uh, you know, she's doing a play now that I'm not doing anymore. Scheduling wise, it didn't work, but she uh, is doing a play, but she still has small group stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been doing, which has been nice. And, um, yeah, uh, just a bunch of different stuff. I'm about to start subbing this Broadway show for one of my first teachers, um, this amazing drummer, Ben Porowski. Um, yes, yeah, I know Yeah, so uh, about to start doing that. Just a lot of things kind of, you know, like the, a lot of the shifting that's happened, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. some of the stuff, I think as with everything in COVID, some of it's going to stick, you yes. know, so it's just like, uh, uh, you know, doing a lot of that stuff. Hopefully, you know, there's some tour dates and stuff on the books for the summer. Hopefully they happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, I it's crazy. This is the long, that. I said, this is the longest time since I've had one that I haven't used my passport. I haven't been to Europe the whole, in like almost two years, which is like, I'm normally in Europe somewhere, you know, yeah. you know, 10 times a year, whatever, however right, many right. times a year. And like, I haven't gotten my passport stamped in, since covid started which is crazy to me um i know so yeah like i'm hoping some of that stuff happens this summer and that you know we kind of get out there keep moving forward yeah yeah. exactly yeah me too me too well i i will put some links in the description and um and in the the podcast notes too so that everyone (laughs) follow you and and again you know i feel like a theme of this discussion has been um you know, get into the community, understand mm. the the background and the influences and and then explore beyond drums, explore other musicians and their Definitely. influences and just yeah. listen to music, go to museums, feed your creative mind. Yeah. Like you have to live. I, I feel like you have to live a life of art. You know what I yeah. mean? Doing this if you want to play music, you know, it can't just be like, oh, I play my drums and then go do this. Like, like you got to for me, anyway, you yeah. know, it's, I think it's important to pull inspiration from other places that, you know, make you have things mm-hmm. that other people don't have. You know, nobody's going to get what you got from looking at that Picasso at MoMA and how it gets into your playing the same way. They might get a separate thing and it might get in a different way, but they're not going to get what you get from it. And I think that yeah. makes you an individual. And that's one of the biggest goals in music is to be an individual be yourself so absolutely i love that we'll we'll end on that really really great advice and (laughs) um and i can't wait to see you again otis it's really it's getting ridiculous now but yeah hopefully (laughs) (laughs) but we'll make it happen we'll have avocado milkshakes again uh please please yeah okay (laughs) all right i'll see you soon my friend thank Thank you Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.